So my name is Luke Butler and uh, this is not the Back of House podcast. This is uh, the Hastings Connect podcast. Uh, to give you a bit of a, a reference point for why I'm doing this, I, um, I've been in self-isolation now as a result of uh, COVID-19 since, uh, well, call 10 days. Um, over the past couple of weeks, I have been calling uh, a large number of different hospitality operators uh, essentially just to touch base and it became pretty clear to me over the time that um, there was a lot of value being taken away from these conversations on both sides. I think um, having the opportunity to share experiences um, and, uh, and and take different perspectives on what's actually happening out in the market, um, considering it is so foreign to everyone, um, has been quite valuable. So. Um, I decided I would start recording these conversations and um, in, in the hope that it does um, provide insight to others or um, hopefully, you know, even just, just let people know that they're not alone in, in this instance. So um, I can't get out and do the usual podcast that I would do with Mike Rodriguez. So um, this will have to do for the time being. Um, but uh, we'll be posting this out across the Back of House podcast channel, but also through the Hastings Connect channel. So if you'd like to jump across to, to either and, and follow there, there'll be a number of conversations coming out over hopefully not too long a period as we get through this, but um, we will see how that goes. So that's what this is all about. Hope you enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Hamish Watts, uh, who is one of the co-owners of Applejack Hospitality. Applejack owns a number of different venues across Sydney, um, spread out, I guess, fairly diverse locations. Lower North Shore, they have uh, the Botanist in Kirribilli, SoCal in Neutral Bay, um, they have the Butler in Pot Point, and recently, well, not necessarily recently, a year and a half ago, opened uh, Bop and Tone in the CBD. So Hamish uh, and I have uh, known each other for quite some time. Um, the way that they tend to focus on engaging with their staff, uh, you know, has always um, been something that I've respected. So um, here's a conversation with Hamish focusing on how they've been through the shutdown, what they're doing now to keep their staff engaged and uh, everything in between. What's news? Oh, you know, Welcome just... to my garage, by the way, just in case you can see all my... It's pretty cool. Yeah, not bad, huh? Got... Um, my bike. I'd love to have a garage. Got my drum kit. It's exciting. What? What's that school doing? Are you a drummer? Yeah. Try, try to be. Are you? To be. Yeah. We should start a band. What's your band called? No, I said we should start a band. Yeah, well, I'm. 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 I'm I used to play um, <coughs> horns and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> but I, I play a lot of. Good, I play a little bit. Of, I play guitar now. I'm not very good, but I'm, I'm all right. Not bad. Okay. We could have a two-man yeah. band because uh, I think what two people are allowed to gather is that right? Are you allowed to come over? Yeah, yeah, I could come over now. We have a jam session. Mm. Mate, mm. how are you going? How's 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 home? Are you climbing the walls and shit? Or? Uh, I'm pretty over it to be honest. Like it's been eight days. Um, I put my bins out last night or Monday night. Sorry, so it's Wednesday today. I don't know if that's legal, uh, but I had to put my bins out and it felt like, I can't tell you, the feeling opening up my gate and walking out onto the street and putting the bins out was um, odd. So you haven't even been outside to go to the shops or anything like that? You're not allowed? Not allowed to go outside. Nothing. Can't leave the house. Uh, And I think, I don't know, um, Lara 
thinks, my wife obviously thinks that uh, we're going to lockdown by the time we um, end up getting out of our self-isolation, which is going to put us in another two weeks um, inside. But at least then we can go to the shops. But, mate, what's news? How's business? <laughs> How's business? Oh, business is booming. Yeah, yeah, we're flying along at the moment. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Same as you, I guess. Yeah. Fuck all. Fuck all. Oh mate, I've got nothing one, really. Yeah. One job I'm working on at the moment. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Well done. Someone's interviewing tomorrow. That's exciting. You know. Are you going to take advantage of the job keeper for the guys you got on? Are you going to rehire anyone back on? Or? Just working through that at the moment, and it's probably a topic for discussion just to get your thoughts because, I mean, the, the challenge is looking forward to what happens at the end of job keeper, and I wouldn't mind your thoughts. I mean, realistically, you think it's going to go on for six months, right, until things normalise. Do you agree? Yeah. Minimum. So basically, um, the problem with the job keeper thing is um, it's great, and we're certainly going to take advantage of it. But um, there is cash flow implications that come with it because um, everything is paid in arrears a month late. So um, for us to uh, take on our entire workforce um, back on the books straight away, uh, we have to pay for that month worth of job keeper up front and then um, claim it back from the government. So there is some impl- implications that are a bit trickier to manage than people probably first thought yeah. and we're just working through that at the moment. Yeah, I actually spoke to, I've spoken to a lot of people in the last 24 hours and the feedback is exactly the same. Like it is amazing, yeah. it is genuinely helpful for, for, for our business, you know, it's a very, we don't employ anywhere near as many staff as you so it's actually great, like we can cash flow it, no problem. But I spoke to a hospitality yeah. down in Melbourne yesterday with 400 staff, like it's, yeah, they just can't. Yeah, that's tricky. And I think the way it was sort of delivered um, from the government uh, in the in ScoMo's press conference was that it was going to be literally like almost like an overnight thing. All of a sudden, everyone's going to be getting paid in fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight. So all of our staff, from top to bottom, from salary right down to casuals or casuals that have been with us for over twelve months, are just like, great, let's just all start getting paid again. Mm. Um, so there is going to be a bit of a, a dance to try to roll it in properly, and that's something that we're just working through at the moment. And you know, like I think the, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. Like we're really excited to be able to keep as many people as we can on the books. Um, you know, we, we want to have as much of the crew in hibernation as we can. It also means that there's like a bunch of stuff that we want to get done, um, like administrative sort of stuff yeah. um, that we're you know, super keen to get knocked over. And it is a little bit awky asking people to um, spend some time punching out some um, admin for you when there's when there's sort of no cash coming through. So um, it's just sort of a win-win in many, on many fronts for us. Um, it's just about how far deep we'll be able to roll it and whether or not we'll make it as far as like the entire casual workforce or a select few or, or what have you. I am thinking of this out loud based on what you've just said, so I don't know if this is going to make any sense. But I actually thought it would help retention um, – because in order to get it, people need to stay employed, right? So instead of going on um, seeker, but not every business will be able to offer to everyone. So people that you've stood down, yeah. maybe um, there's an incentive for them to go to job seeker as opposed to job keeper because you may not be able to give it to them, which means that they're no longer your, under your employment. So when the time comes back, yeah, but it's only but. But it only applies to anyone that was employed with you before March 1, so they can't go and find someone else to pick them up, if that makes sense. No, but they could effectively leave your employment, which is what it's designed 
not to have happen, but they would be forced to Correct. because you can't put them onto JobKeeper because of the cash flow implications. So it could yeah. potentially have a negative influence on retention or employment. Again, I'm just thinking this. Oh, is yeah, yeah, it's certainly. I mean, it'll, certainly it'll um, really help with retention for those that you can get on it. Yeah. Um, but for those that, that, are, that, are, that are hard to get on it, it's for, it's for sure they'll start looking around and there's no security there. But put it this way, it's much better. It's a, a much better system than just putting everybody on welfare yeah. and then at the end of things all over trying to sort of get reconnect with them in whatever way you can. And um, it just keeps them tied to the business and allows us to do a few, a few bits and pieces. And, and that'll also, you know, um, who knows when this thing normalises or stables out, stabilises out a little bit. It might go on for, you know, it might be, you know, a handful of months, it might be several months. Um, but um, it allows us to sort of then start toying around with the idea of doing things with um, reduced revenue like, you know, takeaway or home delivery services and or, you know, um, uh, dark kitchens or whatever it might be. There's a bunch of different things we can explore. And initially we're looking at those options and many people obviously did um, and we played with it for a little bit. Um it allows you to have a bit of a play with those ideas without the massive wages that go hand in hand with it or would normally go hand in hand with it. So it's, it works on so many levels in that regard. Yeah. So for anyone listening, what have you done with your business? <laughs> They're all closed, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So look, when 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 the first um, all of the first restrictions sort of came into play when we we're still trading. We implemented a takeaway service then, and we engaged with um, Uber Eats. We didn't end up we didn't end up using Uber Eats at all, and we only traded with the delivery or takeaway thing for you know a handful of days. When it was announced that um, you know we had to go and actually close, and there was to me no dining dining in. We made the call that our best course of action was to just shut down and limit um, and limit all of our expenses and try to reduce any costs going out as much as possible. Yeah. So we effectively went into kind of like a self-induced coma um, overnight. And our reason behind doing that was we a, wanted to see what was going to happen and sort of see where the market was going and whether and all of this takeaway and delivery stuff was going to be actually worth it. Um, and B, it was just the, the, the risk of, of burning labour and cost of goods and, and things like that when you're sort of still limping along in trade was something that scared us immensely. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure we had as many pennies as we could saved away when we get to the other side of this thing to relaunch. So the whole hibernation term has just come into play and I think we didn't, we didn't, obviously, we're not the first people to think of doing that, but we, we certainly, um, just by virtue of wanting to save our pennies, pushed ourselves down that path almost immediately once it was announced and cut all of our expenses and just really pulled in the purse strings. And we've effectively not really been, we, we tied off all our loose ends with our suppliers as best we could. Um, we reached out to our landlords and um, got rental agreements or we've, we've come up with terms that we're happy with with the, with the landlords thus far and then just basically cut all of our unnecessary expenses overnight and um, just put, stood down all the staff. It was a pretty brutal week, but um, we thought it was the best option for us to be able to, in order, to enable us to come out the other side with enough cash to do so. What was the uh, response from landlords as a particular topic? Because I, I keep seeing obviously varying experiences that people are having having i think you said you had a pretty good good run with it is that right yeah so we've got we've got five different landlords and you know they all reacted differently one of our landlords um has his own restaurant so 
he was going through exactly what we were going through and understood um, completely and was very um, happy to work with us the best he could. Um, our, we have like a large landlord in the city who have been really great, really supportive and as soon as we made the phone call they were, um, they were really trying to work with us to come out with the best results for everyone on the other, on the other side. Some have been a little less supportive um, but it's been a bit of a harder conversation but all in all I think everyone realises that, um, you know, a good tenant is a good tenant you want to get through the other side. So we're still working through it to some degree with some of them, but we're pretty happy with where we are with all of them. Yeah, it's good. It's good that they're coming to the party. Mm. That's it. Mm. And how are you uh, – mm. stop making faces. How are the staff going? Like what's the feeling amongst your – even? I mean, the senior, junior, <laughs> whatever. I mean, you, you said on the phone the other day you, you're trying a few different things to keep them engaged and – um, just keep communication yeah. and high and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What's that look like? Uh, look, 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 yeah, look, we, we um, uh, from very early on when this thing started, uh, we adopted the approach that we would communicate with them as much as possible. And that meant for by us, like having to sort of come clean and explain financial positions and, you know, where things were headed and um, being very upfront with all of our decision making. Um, from the get-go and I think that really has worked in our favour and um, we've sort of taken, hate to use the term, we've taken the, the entire the entire workforce, both casual and full-time, along on the journey with us mm. and we've been very frank with what we can and can't do to support them on the basis of where the company's at financially and what sort of position we're in to do so. So, um, look, it was, it was hard and, and it still remains to be hard um, but, look, I, I feel very confident in the fact that we... I've got really great relationships, particularly with our key staff. Um, we've got a really solid culture with our casuals. And um, the, obviously the job keeper thing certainly helps to keep people in check and keep them on the books. Um, we're pretty confident that through that process that we've been through, we'll have a substantial amount of the team on the other side. Yeah. There will be a lot of rehiring, obviously, with like, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I presume yeah, as soon as things start to open up, some some sectors might open up before hospitality, which would mean that would lose some of the casual workforce to just say retail starts miraculously booming overnight. Um, you know, they might jump ship to that. But Effectively, we feel um, through communication and, and, and constant check-ins and dialogue with them, we've, we've, we've got a pretty good understanding of where it's at and, and we're hoping, fingers crossed, that the majority of them will be there on the other side to, to, to launch with us. What do you think the biggest challenges are going to be when you do relaunch? Oh, cash, probably. I'll phrase frame that question because it is fairly pointed. Um, yeah. Speaking to Lexi, who is running or part of the Keep Our Venues Alive campaign this morning, um, obviously yeah. Mike Rodriguez is um, essentially leading that and they're trying to garner information around what, I guess, could be what assistance like. You know, they're quite pivotal in, in arranging the um, JobKeeper um, yeah. subsidy. Uh, and they're looking at any other ways that they might be able to help businesses come out the other side. And, and that cash topic is probably pretty important. Like, the, the I probably sound like a broken record um, if you listen to one or two of these um, calls in a row, but I think we'll see a lot of businesses reopen, but I think we'll also probably see a heap of businesses close within sort of a month to three months, maybe six months, um, because mm-hmm. of that cash topic when they do get back up and running. Um, yeah. So, you know... Ideas like maybe. yeah, well, the, the, well the, the the hard thing is the unknown about how how much they're going to lift straight away, you know, and and I guess uh, 
the confidence within consumers is another topic that needs to be discussed. But, um, you know, I think this JobKeeper thing, I would like to think that, you know, they've probably put six months on it. Um, perfect world, you're opening up after four months and taking advantage of, you know, like a, a large subsidy that would be like a good little sugar hit to get you off the ground. Yeah. Um, in saying that, um, I think it'll probably need to go on a little bit longer than that. So I think for us, the biggest challenge will be, um, well, you, 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 it's your main cost. It's your rent and working with your landlords and working on any rental abatements that'll assist with that, taking advantage of, um, you know, any government loans and getting as much free time as you can out of that. But also, um, also any subsidies that could be taken advantage of to assist with the wage costs, because that's, you know, um, the scary thing for me, say, with Bop and Tone in the city would be to be told that we could start trading and then people sort of re-entered the, the, their offices to some capacity, but it was more like school holiday style capacity, say 50%. Yeah. And then we had to limp along like that for, you know, three or four months trying to sort of make uh, make ends meet. Almost impossible if we had to pay our full wage bill because we've got a business there that relies on a certain amount of fixed labour to just get the job done even when revenue is low. Yeah. So for us to be able to open up and trade because um, landlord will start wanting money once we're entitled to do so, we're not going to be able to fit the full wage bill to sort of like bleed along like that for many months. It'll have to be a case of us opening, knowing that our, our, our fixed, uh, fixed labour costs are, are leaner. We're getting some sort of like deal with the landlords. They're not expecting full rent or there could be rental abatement over a period of time, something like that um, to enable us to get off the ground because it's not going to – the scary thing would be to – have to limp along for you know six months yeah. while people are sort of like in partial quarantine or there's this social distancing thing of you know one per every four square meters or I don't know what they're going to bring back in but um, yeah I mean I, I guess on that basis you know we're kind of in a good position um, uh, globally that uh, other countries ahead of us on this we seem to be like quite a few like even if it's like a couple of weeks uh, looking the way that things are going in Europe we, we're substantially behind that. So hopefully we'll start to see the best and the worst measures of how they sort of reintroduce the economy or the certain sectors within the economy. Yeah. And then we can sort of get a bit of an understanding of how it's going to look, you know. And um, I think that we'll, 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 we also benefited from that by looking at, say, the States and what, how they were closing their restaurants. We kind of all knew it was coming. You know, everyone was starting to do takeaways. So there were all these ideas that were already sort of tabled and everyone was sort of taking advantage of that. Um, but I think we'll have to look to the other side and see exactly what's happening globally and, you know, start to prepare ourselves. But in a nutshell, to answer your question, yeah, we just need to try to reduce all of our fixed costs and overheads, you know, in line with whatever sort of amount of trade is accessible to us. You know? Yeah. I was chatting to Schultz about this uh, before and just, I mean, the, the cost models here, though, are so different to, like, the States or other parts of the world, right? Like, rents are a lot higher, staff costs are a lot higher. So... It's we can definitely take inspiration from them, but I think it's going to be still have local challenges. Would you? I, I think I've been thinking of. Would you support a uh, a staggered opening to the industry, perhaps even by things like license type or something like that? You know, restaurant on premise get to open first. I, I, my thoughts are the whole industry, every licensed premises, for example, opening on the same day, effectively in albeit in a limited yeah. capacity. Yeah. regardless of what happens, even if they allowed businesses to go back to full trading capacity, which they're not going to do, there's not mm. going to be enough consumer um, faith uh, and um, money to spend because of the situation that we've just been in to support all of those businesses. So 
it kind of feels like yeah. there needs to be a more staggered approach to say, you know, I don't know, restaurants open first or pubs open for a period to get back on their feet and then um, on-premise or bars come after that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, again, I'm thinking out loud, but it just... Yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. Look, I guess the only issue with that is it's giving them an, an advantage on the HR, right, because they're up and trading first, so people will go and work for them and they'll get... Yeah. Priority over the picking of the talent pool in some respects, I guess. I mean, um, yeah, but maybe it's like locations or sort of different precincts. Maybe it starts out wide, they open it up and soften it sort of further on the sort of metropolitan, like suburban areas, fringe areas, and then sort of bring it into the city. Mm. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 is a, it is a weird one because if it is set the same, if they set the date for everybody and it's like, okay, from this day forward you can all do you know, we'll just reopen the doors and start serving, but you're only allowed one person for per four square metres. It's just it's just going to be hard. It's just going to be like, oh, not impossible. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how. Um, yeah. Good time. Yeah, right? tell me, Luke. Oh, tell me those stage one. What's, what's the answer to that question? I don't know. Uh, that wasn't a legitimate question, was it? It was kind of a question. It was kind right. of a question framed in an answer, you know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the challenges associated with everyone opening on the same day, I think, extend just beyond sort of trade. Like, if you imagine, yeah. I would have, I would assume, you know, looking at what I what I look at on a daily basis, this obviously we all know every business is affected. Like, even just getting orders done, I think, um, essentially, the the entire supply chain in a lot of respects is going to have to kickstart. I can't imagine every supplier has kept every delivery driver on and every um, warehouse worker, for example. So even when you see a huge yeah. volume of orders start to flow in from every restaurant and every pub and every cafe in, in, in New South Wales or Australia opening around the same time, maybe mm. production hasn't been, where it, has been where, it, where it needs to be to support that level. Maybe there aren't enough people to process all those orders. Like it's, there's just so many impacts that would suggest perhaps a more staggered approach um, would help, and maybe that's just staggered again by limitations of numbers of people you're allowed in business, because that would keep ordering down and keep all the other costs down. But maybe not not commensurate enough to keep businesses profitable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they say, yeah. Look, I, I I don't know the actual answer to that question, but they do need to. Um, yeah, there's just there's just no chance they can just make it work with just a set date. Whenever I'm going to start trading again, no. that'd be a nightmare. And what are you uh, doing personally to um, stay positive? I guess. Uh, so I'm I'm in a fortunate position that my um, wife partner Sarah she's still working. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been helpful. Um, the 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 positive and negative side of that is that I've got a um, five year old and a um, 18, 18 month old at home because we've decided to keep them. Well, the, um, the, they've encouraged us to not send our daughter to school, can still use daycare and we are still paying for it, but not that comfortable with sending her along there at the moment. So on that, I'm, um, I'm daddy daycare three days a week and trying to homeschool my five-year-old as best I can. Mm. So to be honest, I've, I've been, um, it's, it's been a little bit stressful trying to deal with all the work stuff that's still going on. There's still, um, there's still quite a, a bunch of stuff that needs to be attended to while um, looking after the kids three days a week. So um, I haven't had a huge amount of time to get negative on it, really. I've kind of just been – I'm still in the um, the adrenaline phase. I'm still in the fight kind of mode and trying to best close things down and, and minimise any bleeding. Um, 
and also just sort of trying to keep it, the team engaged the best I can, but flat stick with the kids. So it's um, it's busy. I'm busy at the moment. It's yeah. good. Nice. Yeah, it is good. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to maybe in a couple of weeks' time being not so busy and then just focusing on the kids, which um, I think is important because they're um, they obviously they obviously feel it as well in, in some capacity. So it's a strange conversation with the five year old trying to explain how we can't leave the house and you can't go and hang out with your friends and she's having Zoom parties and all sorts of things. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In saying that, like, like like kids are highly adaptable and and I guess humans are in general. Like you know. Three weeks ago, I was looking at like footage of people overseas wearing face masks while they're out shopping, and thought how weird it is, and I could never imagine that. And I've just come out of office works, and um, almost every person in the in the place had a had a mask on. It was just very surreal. It's so normal at the same time. Yeah, it's super weird. The uh, I suppose you do have to just look at the um, silver linings, right? Like the number of things that I've done over the last week that I had actually never done before is pretty uh, surprising. Like just simple shit. Like I cooked Ruby pancakes the other day, which I'd never done. And I get her up out of bed every day, which is, you know, stuff again that I, I just never get to do. I'm normally at the office by five. So um, you kind of got to, I don't know, they're, they're small things. Yeah, well, that's, things well, you got to appreciate, I guess. And that's it. Yeah, like, you know, like at the end of the day, I've got a roof over my head. I've got a, um, a fridge full of food and I've got two wonderful kid children and, of course, Sarah at home. So there's a lot to like. And I'm trying to take the opportunity, like I'm sure most people are, to, you know, take it as a time to reconnect and sort of recalibrate and think about think about what's important in life. And I know that sounds probably a little bit cheesy, but it's um, that I'm sure I'm sure everybody's feeling much the same. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a strange period where you can either you can either – look at it as, as dire and, and negative or you can sort of see it as, as, as something that we're going to get through and work through as a team. Was, as a country, we're going to be, as ScoMo would say, we're Australians, we're just going to keep being Australian and we'll, um, you know, we'll get through the other side and hopefully have some better perspective on things as a result of it, you know. Have you got enough toilet um, paper? Yeah, mate, I, I, I basically bought up New South Wales' entire supply <laughs> chain um, the first day. Did you actually? No, um, I, I, I was I, legitimately. I had a box of who gives a crap um, delivered just before the um, proverbial SHI to hit the fan. Excuse the pun. Um, and I um, and I I'm still sort of going through that, but I know there's a surplus at the restaurant, so I won't give you the addresses in case anyone wants to go and knock them off. But um, I know where I know where I can get some if I need it. How about you, mate? You're a bit short for a while there. Did I was. Anyone drop I, some uh, off? Yeah, Joel Cronin actually dropped me off some. Some red toilet paper. He did. He dropped it off yesterday, which was very nice of him. A red cape. A red cape still using single ply, or <laughs> it's the big roll stuff. It is legitimately. Oh, big, really? He's like, it won't fit your home toilet dispenser, but you can use it. Uh, at least we won't run out. Well, mate, we can't use. We can't go to shops, and you know, despite Woolies, yeah. Woolies gives you if you're in self isolation, they give you a guaranteed delivery slot. Um, so that you can get access. And now I think only people who are in self-isolation can access Woolies Delivery, I think, my wife tells me. But we kept ordering and we couldn't get it. Like it was just constantly out of stock. So it was pretty funny to, I mean, we were in the, over in the States for two weeks up until the 23rd, I think we got back, or 24th. Um, and just watching everything. I mean, it was happening, I think it only really started happening after I left. Um, the... Uh, hoarding and like bulk buying and stuff like that. I don't yeah, think it's very, really very strange behavior. 
I think we just struggled to get toilet paper as I was leaving or the day before as I went to go and buy some for the office and I couldn't get any at Woolies. But everything else was still pretty normal. So um, it was only really as we were overseas watching everything on TV and social media and stuff of people in Australia being freaks. So, But turns out they were right. Like I still can't buy toilet paper. So. Yeah, but apparently it's all calming down now. Bottle shop sales are starting to fly and um, and yeah. food sales at uh, also at um, uh, Woolies and Coles are starting to drop off. So I think people are sort of coming to terms with the fact that there will still be food there. There will be toilet paper um, at some point. You'll get some, Luke. I'm sure you will. And um, and um, there will be booze, hopefully. As long as the booze are all okay, I think. That's the, uh, that's, you know, that's one thing the way I feel about things. I'm pretty sure you've got, you've got access to plenty of booze, so I think you'll be all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. They've just got to, they've just got to let me keep going out of the house. I've got kind of got seven cases stashed at home. I think that's enough for the short period. <laughs> seven, seven cases of beer. Oh, seven cases of beer and three cases of wine, and then I've got a I've got a thing a cupboard full of um, several bottles of gin, four pillars, of course. The uh, my next door neighbour who looks after our dogs while we're away actually loaded up our house full of booze before we got back. But um, I've been through. I looked at it this morning. I've actually been through a pretty scary amount in the last week. <laughs> Is Lara keeping any tabs on you or you're you sort of free? No, I kind of keep it in a different part of the house and I just restock the fridge a six-pack at a time. So there's never really a gauge on how much has been depleted. You're <laughs> hiding it. Seriously, Sarah, so. Hmm? so I'm just blaming circumstances. I just tell her, I tell Sarah I'm stressed and I blame that and then I, I just drink. It seems to work. <laughs> Mate, everyone I know is becoming an alcoholic. It's really bad. <laughs> what else What else do you do? I, like, when, when Sarah's at work, I literally just hang out for the clock to tick over like up to five o'clock. It's an absolute battle and then I just, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, uh, mate, make sure you uh, stay safe. Hopefully we're allowed to have a beer next Tuesday when I'm out of isolation. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do that. Cool, man. All right, I'll speak to you soon. See you, Loki. Bye. <laughs> How do I end this? I don't know. Are you, are you ending uh, it? I'm out. Go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>